Blog Talk Radio. Good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio land and Rainbow Soul, wherever you guys are on iTunes. I, I hope the our iTunes listeners found other ways to tune in because I know they shutting that down. But we have people who tune in off the shelf from around the world. And it is a beautiful Saturday morning, last Saturday in June, you guys. We haven't for July, but I want to wish you a happy, happy June 29th. And you are absolutely listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. There is still time for you to go out and tell your family, your friends. You don't want somebody who loves books to miss off the shelf. There's still time for you to go out and tell your friends, your family, that they can catch off the shelf. It's every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. The dial-in is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. And you can also tune in via the chat room or, again, there are so many different ways to catch off the shelf live. Before I introduce today's fabulous guest to you, I want to leave this thought from Simone de Beauvoir with you. Change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now without delay. You know, change is always occurring. This is something I always remind myself. Whatever, I've been doing something a long time, and I still don't have what I want. Like, oh, man, this is never going to happen. But I tell myself change is always occurring. It is. There's no way to prevent it. There's 7 billion-plus people crying out for something right now, and it's going, to, it's going to blast off change. So for myself, and I encourage you just to keep focusing on your goal, do something day by day. Change is always happening, even if you don't see it. So don't stay stuck. Change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now without delay. And that's from Simone de Beauvoir. And so in welcoming you to today's show, I want to next ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you really, really, really good at figuring things out? Whether it is something that's happening in real life, despite what you might hear on the surface, you're like, I I really know what happened. And you're right. You're not wrong when you when you guess it. Or you read a book or you watch a TV show or go to the movies. Before the end's revealed, you know just who did it. Are you one of those folks? And you like to figure things out before it's revealed. You're just so on point with that. Then I really encourage you to hop over to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, ebook it, Get you a copy of Love Pour Over Me. If you get an ebook copy, you can start reading it within an hour or less. Another question for you is how much do you value relationships? Soulmate relationships. And relationships where we are strongly influenced, talking about change your life today. The relationship you have with your parents particularly if you didn't have a healthy relationship with your parents like Raymond. His mother walked off and left him when he was two, and his father, thank goodness, raised him, but his father has untreated alcoholism. What happens to little Raymond? Change your life today. And I wasn't even thinking of that quote when, when I put it on to ask you these questions. Do you value relationships, even the ones that you know have changed your life in ways? You can't go back. All you can do is go forward. All you can do is go forward. And maybe that is, if any good thing comes out of having a bad childhood, maybe it's knowing I can't go back there. I don't want to. I can only go forward. So maybe that's the one way you could look at something good from it and change your life today. If you value soulmates, friendships, parental relationships, just relationships, period, and you want to watch how someone evolves, and he has four fabulous friends, by the way. If you want to watch how someone evolves and you love a mystery, because there's a murder mystery tucked in this book, I would encourage you to stop what you're doing right now and go get yourself a copy of Love Pour Over Me. Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. 
and let me know how you enjoy the book. Treat yourself to a copy today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest this morning is Jennifer Taylor. Now, Jennifer is an energy healer, and boy, we can use a lot of that, can't we? She is a self-motivator and the CEO of Quantum Touch, Inc. Jennifer's passion is helping people to see and release the healing power of love. She has a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and a minor in Philosophy from California Polytechnic State University. Jennifer is the author of the books Love Incorporated. Don't you love that title? And Spiritual and Broke. We definitely got to talk about that today. And I encourage you to check Jennifer out online at jennifernoeltaylor.com, and I will spell it J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-N-O-E-L-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Again, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-N-O-E-L-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Jennifer, Jennifer Noel Taylor. Jennifer Noel Taylor dot com. Let's give Jennifer a warm off the shelf books talk radio welcome. Welcome to off the shelf, Jennifer. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We are so excited and happy to have you here with us on off the shelf this morning. The first few questions, Jennifer, that I'm going to ask you, I ask all our guests. I can remember we've been on the air 14 years. When I first started out, I just launched right into questions. And the listeners came back to me and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We want to know a little bit about the guests before you start asking them about their books. So this is why I ask these first few questions of each guest. So to begin, Jennifer, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Sure, yeah. So I grew up in uh, near Los Angeles, California, both in Pasadena and then uh, Newberry Park, California. And um, I was a bit of a uh, nerd in high school. Um, I, I read a lot of books. I, I got the uh, Bookworm Award in high school. And um, I just was very much into uh, you know, philosophy in high school and delving into what's the meaning of life as a, as a child. And I was, I was really into near-death experiences, studying near-death experiences, and uh, I was kind of very intellectual as a child. And, um, and then I uh, went to uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo and studied computer science, which, uh, which, I, which I loved, um, and then philosophy, which was even more interesting. I uh, just loved exploring, you know, what, why are we here? What is life about? What's the meaning of life? And I just loved getting into philosophical discussions with anyone who uh, would have one. And um, that's always been, been my thing, just, you know, what, what's the meaning of life type of thing. So um, that's a little bit of background. So did you, did you have siblings uh, and were they, did, did, were those, did they hold those same interests, your siblings? Uh, my, I have a brother, and um, he was more into, he loved music. He liked playing the drums. He uh, loved uh, DJing parties, and he was really into music and, and not so much into philosophizing about the meaning of life. He, he was a little bit of a prankster. I remember one holiday uh, all of a sudden, this, this thick layer of fog started rolling into the living room, and uh, he had turned on his fog machine, and uh, during during like a, a Thanksgiving dinner, and so we had fog that day. So he was he was a little bit of a jokester, but uh, more into music. Oh, okay. Because sometimes you always wonder, it, it, uh, children. Sometimes we follow our parents' path or an older sibling's. Path, but curious that those things interest you. I was interested in philosophy, and when I was a kid as well. And I didn't, I don't think my siblings were as much. But I always wonder why some child always kind of goes off in, in a in a in a different direction, and some go into arts. I mean, just strongly into arts. So when you were a kid, saying that Jennifer, when you were a child, 
you you you, you went, grew up and you majored in computer science, which you enjoyed, and then philosophy. But when you were like uh, six to eight years old, what did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? So when I was younger, uh, I actually dreamed of getting into medicine and studying medicine. Oh. I was fascinated by how the body works. Yeah, and um, so you know, actually now I'm I'm sort of into medicine at this point with the energy medicine, uh, not the traditional medicine, but working with helping people facilitate the healing process. So. I sort of circled back around into what I was interested in as a child, but yeah, I was fascinated by medicine actually. Ah, so healing, healing's always been something on your radar. It seems like. So, as asking now that you work in healing, we had somebody on a few weeks ago who started as an attorney, and now she's in healing and using horses to help people heal. But why did you decide? Okay, you wanted to be medicine, healing, energy healing. What attracted you to computer science? It seems like a world away. You know, really interesting about that, I actually chose it because it was easy. I actually was more interested in medicine, and I just decided to do computer science because I found it to be super easy, and, and I I took kind of the easy way uh, through college and um, – so I just I didn't pursue my my dream at that point. I just took what I thought was a, a fairly easy career and and major. Computer science, easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or think the opposite. <laughs> you must you must have really 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 have done well in school. It's it's and computer science is an in demand field, and probably when you were entering it, I can only imagine it's just growing with AI and technology. Technology is at the core of almost everything right now. Now, did you work in that field? And I was going to ask you, was your job in technology financially rewarding and mentally challenging, especially since you found it easy? So uh, my first job out of college, I worked at a large company, and I did um, testing on computer software and uh, tested database software and um, I found the job super easy and to the point I was really bored. And I always was the head of schedule. A boss would assign me work and I'd get it done in a day. I just was, it just was super easy and, and a bit boring, to be honest. And uh, so I, that's one reason I, I switched careers, just because I, I just, it, it was too easy almost. It just wasn't that exciting to me. I find that I would just think the opposite of uh, that field. And it, it, you know what, and that's so important, even though it was financially rewarding, it goes back to the get, another guest we had on who made such good money. And I've heard other people say it. They made really good money at um, their job. So, that, so I'm going to ask you this next. If your job was financially rewarding, why wasn't it more fulfilling? Why do you think you didn't feel fulfilled? Because we always think if you if you're making good money, you should just be on top of the world. I you know I I don't feel that money is necessarily the most fulfilling part of life. And um, if even if you have multiple millions of dollars, there's a lot of people who are wealthy but feel impoverished spiritually. And I feel like it's it's that way because. Money is is so transitory and doesn't have a lot of intrinsic meaning. Uh, Money is more of a a tool to accomplish something in the world. So money is just like a medium. It's it's just a a transference of energy. So when you have a lot of tools but don't really have a purpose, it, it feels a little bit empty. So in my case, even though I made a lot of money in, uh, in software, I felt like I wasn't really, on purpose, that I wasn't really doing what I came here to do, that I wasn't doing my life purpose. So even though the money was there, I, I felt very empty because I, I think money just isn't that satisfying, um, wow. even if you have a lot of it, yeah. So somewhere in us, we must know. We must know why we came here. Somewhere in us. We, it's, it, it, 
and, and, and I, I wonder where did it start from humans have no we were once all what you consider homeless because there were no houses for any of us to live in none we went to caves we lived wherever we slept uh and then we built houses later but how did we get from where we started to where people are we actually measure people now by what they wear when none of us when we were first here, none of us had on any clothes. We measure people by what they wear, what's the designer name, how much did it cost, what, how big is your house, or how tiny is your house, what's, what, what, how much do the things you have cost, how much money you make for your And none of this was here when we started. So do we, do we forget, get caught up and forget, why did, why did I really come here? Why did I really come here? So I want to ask you this next. So if somebody is filling in up, heard stories of people who struggle with this. I know I got a good job, but I don't feel like I belong in this job. How afraid, because you laugh. So for those who, and it might be somebody listening who's dealing with domestic violence or something where they feel if I leave, it, the, the danger is going to be so much worse, I will just have to stay and be miserable. How afraid did you feel? When you decided to leave a regular paycheck and follow your passion, I have to say that I was basically so depressed at my job. Like I had hit kind of rock bottom as far as my depression, that I was excited to leave. I didn't really care anymore. I didn't really care if I ran out of money or, or had, you know, no means anymore it it didn't bother me at that point because I was so happy to leave and and do something different and I was really happy that I finally found my life purpose so I felt excited and I didn't feel any fear at all because I I just had felt like I'd hit rock bottom and and I think for people if you're dealing with something like domestic violence at, at some point you know if you get to that point where you feel like there's no hope and I'd rather die at that point, that's that's when it's actually I feel like easy to leave because if you're thinking I'd rather die, at that point you can you can leave and it's better than death. At, at least that's you know that's the thought process. So I was super excited to leave my job. <laughs> okay, so you want you know because a lot of here's a hot topic right now, uh-huh. and I hear Arian Ariana who started uh, HuffPuff. Huffington Post talk about it, and others. I've seen it on Entrepreneur Inc. I, I think it was on. I know it was on one or, or maybe both. Is burnout, and that that's where people are just running so hard, or you're not doing what you really want to do, but maybe the money's good, so it feels hard to leave. So I encourage any of our listeners going back to that quote, not even thinking of time is. You got to change today. Don't don't gamble on the future, or at least start making. Maybe you do a side job for a while. Uh, I I just a guy who's redesigning my website told me he switched gears because he told himself he had a bad accident. He told himself you have to get motivated. You need something to motivate you. So sometimes you got to switch gears so you feel more engaged again. So, Jennifer, I want to ask you this for those who might be feeling stuck, and I've felt that way before in my life, and it's a horrible feeling. <laughs> or somebody dealing with depression, or they just they feel miserable, and they, they're, they're afraid to leave, or a bad relationship, a bad job. They're scared. They're really scared. What are, what are energy fields for where this fear comes from and when you know you're going the right way? Jennifer, could you tell us what energy fields are? And do each of us have an energy field? So um, I believe that everything in the world is energy, that we're basically spiritual beings in human form and that we're energetic beings primarily and that our outer reality is a reflection of who we are spiritually and energetically so that whatever you're projecting energetically into the world gets reflected back to you. So your financial situation, your job situation, your relationship, it's all self-generated as a reflection of what you're projecting into the universe. And um, that's why I work with energy medicine, because when, when somebody has pain or 
some other physical condition, we believe that if you change the energy you're projecting, the physical condition will uh, shift. And uh, so that's my primary belief about who we are and, and why we're here and, you know, what's the fundamental nature of life. So what is an energy field? What is like a field of energy? What is what is that? I I view that the energy field is the energy that you're projecting into the world. That's your field of, of energy. So you have kind of, okay. yeah, so like, Let's say that I'm, I I uh, feel, uh, you know, fear about being poor, you know, uh, financially poor. That fear is actually something that I'm projecting into the world. That's a, a belief that I have that I'm projecting into the world, and that fear is actually an energy. So if you walk into a party and you kind of feel a vibe, like somebody has like a weird vibe, or you get, I don't know, do you, you know what I mean? Like there's some people have like maybe a weird vibe mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. that you're feeling their energy. You're feeling like, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're angry, you know, like an angry person. They're projecting an energy that feels, that doesn't feel good. And so that's what I'm saying about energies. We're always projecting energy into the world and it's our emotions and our spiritual path and our beliefs and even our diet and it's just all you know everything that we are as an energy field. Now, do our energy fields around like want to want to talk about your book uh, being spiritual and broke? I definitely want to talk about that because I think that happens to, I mean, many 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 people. But do our energy fields change? And if so, how can we change our energy field? Your energy field can can change fairly easily because it's based on your your beliefs and your emotional energy and whatever you need to forgive and it's it's based on a lot of you know your past it, there's a lot to your energy field and you can you can change it so for example if you forgive if there's somebody you need to forgive or if you forgive a past event or or if someone wronged you that actually changes your energy field and that also changes, mm-hmm. you know, what you're attracting into your life. If you process your anger, let's say that you've been walking around really angry for the last year and you finally decide to release and process that, that anger, that changes your energy field in a, in a very dramatic way. I can tell you, I heard this years ago, somebody said, if you if, think about any, just sit down and write down whoever you feel has wronged you or it, maybe you can just start there and then just for, just forgive the person. Either you write them a letter or do something to forgive them. And I actually did that once, and I'm telling you, I felt a inner shift. You can literally feel it happen when you really do it. If you say you forgave somebody and nothing shifted, Maybe maybe you have to go back and do it again, but when you really mean it, you you can feel something in you shift, something in you uh, genuinely change. So I want to ask mm-hmm. you this next before we go into spiritual and broke. There's so many gems you could share with our listeners here this morning. Are there signs that we are being, another term I'm hearing a lot uh, lately is, are there signs that we are being authentic versus unauthentic? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of signs that you're living your authentic truth. Um, one is peace. When you're uh, authentic, it, you, you're at peace. You know, you're creating peace, and your your life becomes more peaceful. So if if your life has a lot of peace to it, and a lot of calm, and a lot of uh, ease, I believe that's a big sign that you're being 100% authentic. You know, when you don't really feel like you have problems or it just feels that, oh, it's easy, it's smooth, it's it's nice, it's like a vacation. You know, when your life starts to feel that way, that's, I believe, a sign that you're being authentic. And, and when you're authentic, that that's, that's inner peace. Ah, you know, and that, that is what, when you think of source, don't sacrifice because source has everything. So there's nothing you could sacrifice that would benefit source. If it has it all all good, 
What would it would it need you to sacrifice anything for? It'd be no use. It'd be useless to do that. You can't give something to something that has everything. So why would you sacrifice your joy or your peace? But that is that is good. That's a very good uh, road path. Do you always feel at peace? Do you always feel joy? Do you feel loved and cared for? If not, it's time to look. And we can't change. Change your life today. Back to that beginning quote. Now to your book, Spiritual and Broke. Can you give us an overview of this book that I think is so needed? Can you give us an overview of Spiritual and Broke? Sure. So I wrote the book. Uh, it grew out of my own pain in the past because when I when I quit my job as a software developer, to do what I love, which is energy medicine, I noticed something really odd. I I went broke. (laughs) And I was under the impression that when you follow your heart and do what you love, the money will come. Mm -hmm. And in my case, yeah, and I I, I thought, okay, I I quit my my high-paying job to do what I love, and where's the money? It it didn't come like I thought it would, and and it it turned into this, inner battle of wow did did god desert me you know what what's wrong here why isn't the money come and uh i know a lot of people who were in my same position you know they they did energy medicine or they're doing some kind of coaching practice or some kind of healing business or they're following their heart and they're really struggling with money and in my case i ended up with over $135,000 in debt so my financial net worth was negative 135,000 and that was really rough. So I ended up I changed how I was dealing with the world and I ended up I paid off all my debt and I saved a bunch of money and so I wrote this book to show how even doing what you love if you shift your energy around money shift what you're projecting into the universe that you can you can pay off your debt and start saving and, and grow your net worth and you can still do what you love. So that's why I wrote that book and you know seventy five percent of Americans are, are living paycheck to, to paycheck. They're in debt and they don't have savings and I just I really want to help people get out of that financial struggle and move into a much smoother relationship with money. And you went through it yourself, so you know that it can be done, which is which is important. So I wanted to ask you though, how how is it possible this kind of you you dealt with the with the next question I'm getting ready to to ask, and I did too when I it was right after the recession and I said I'm going I was offered a, a job in a corporate world and I also knew I could have a, I had an opportunity to do a freelance writing job. So I was given two different choices, and I said, I'm going after my writing. I, I looked back years and said, man, I wonder if I made the right choice. But today I think I did. But people kept saying, do what you love, and the money will come, and I would say, nah, not necessarily. So I wanted to ask you, for what happened to you, how is it possible you're doing what you want to do. You're doing what you think you really want to do. But you're not bringing in enough money to pay your bills. You know, the starving artist is everybody's heard about that. How is that possible? You're shifting your energy. You're doing what you love. Why wouldn't the money just show up? Well, I believe that it requires some deeper shifts than than just doing a career of what you love. It requires a greater shift into being your authentic self. So, let me give you an example because that's a very um, abstract. So one of the things that I talk about in my book is this, I, I deal with how was I spending my money. And even though I was doing what I loved and doing a career I loved, my, my spending was really out of alignment with my authentic self. So for example, I spent a lot of money on, on clothes I never wore on makeup I never used, on just all these physical items that that weren't really in alignment with my truth because I was emotionally spending. You know how some people emotionally eat. I was emotionally spending because I needed that high. I needed that feeling of uh, 
I needed to kind of soothe my emotions with, with, you know, buying something because I got that little buyer's high. And so as part of my process, I really started to take a look at this is, you know, why am I spending this money on all these things that I don't really love? And a lot of it was ego. I think, you know, I need this new outfit to attract a man or I need to wear makeup because everyone else wears makeup or I need, uh, you know, all these fancy throw pillows because when my neighbor walks into my house, it needs to look good. Just I was spending money from a different purpose than really connecting with my heart and my authentic self. So that's one example I feel like where doing what you love is awesome and it shifts your energy, but it may require additional shifts to release the ego and become more in alignment with your authentic self. So you might do what you love, but you still might have some issues around money. And when you had your regular job, that was kind of kind of taken care of in a way. Because some people have regular jobs that pay well, and they still overspend. But when you start launching out on your own and you don't have this big company behind you, you'll know if you've got some money issues. Trust me. <laughs> Here come a, you will find out. <laughs> Pretty, pretty soon if you have some money issues. Why do bad things? We're talking about energy fields, spiritual and broke to off-the-shelf listeners. If you came in, um, you just joined the day show. Why do bad things happen to people who are kind? Talking about energy fields, they're doing kind things. Why do bad things like financial issues a health issue that might take all your money. Why do bad things happen to people who are kind, people who do good things? You would think they have good energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of my conundrums that I discussed in the book is, okay, now I'm doing what I love. Why, why do bad things happen? And this took a lot of soul searching for me to, to come to some conclusions around this because uh, – it's it's a really difficult topic, you know, when you see some of the sweetest people in the world and they get cancer, they have a tragic accident in their family or just all this horrible stuff. And you think, why is that person? They, You know, and um, this is a really hard topic, too, because it's it's really how does the universe really work is what it comes down to. And the universe, I feel like, is basically our purpose here is is spiritual growth. So that's one of the things to keep in mind, that the priority of the universe isn't necessarily to give you lots of money or, or the relationship of your dreams or good health. The priority of the universe is to entice people to grow spiritually. So if you think about it that way, if a person isn't being fully authentic, even if they're helping others, if there's things that they need, still need to grow spiritually, then sometimes it happens through uh, negative, what we consider negative events. So, for example, we are, we are our reality is, is a realm of energy like we're talking about. So everything is energy. So the idea is that to grow spiritually, sometimes these negative things happen to shift our energy. And so, for example, in my book, I talk about a really bad experience that happened to me. And really, uh, it was an opportunity to grow and and forgive a lot of anger that I was holding on to. So I believe that even if we're out helping others, there still may be things that we need to learn and grow spiritually. And so that's, uh. that's kind of my big brief um I can delve more into it, but that's a very brief summary of why I feel like bad things happen to good people. Still need some growing to do. Yeah, if we're eternal beings, uh, it can be difficult in this world to not be short-sighted and very limited in your view. But if you look at it from the big picture, even then it still seems a little unfair, I have to admit. But if, if the end result is growth and you do the right thing, then then maybe you look back. And I've heard people say they they look back later if they did the work and they say it wasn't, they're, they're almost glad that the event happened so they could grow. Now, how in the mm-hmm. world, Jennifer Taylor, did 
you dig out of $135,000 of debt? How did you dig out of that? So the the first thing that I had to contend with was, you know, what was my consciousness around money? Because that's really, I feel like, what creates problems for people is their relationship with money. It's similar to food. You know, if you have a kind of a, a strange relationship with food, it might lead to obesity. Um, same thing with money. So my energy, my relationship with money was creating a, a lifestyle where I was spending more than I made. So I had to unpack that and say, well, why am I generating this lifestyle where I spend more than I make? And, um, the first thing I had to look at was this feeling like that I was feeling like a victim to my circumstances. I felt like a victim to the IRS. I felt like a victim to God, you know, because I was feeling like a martyr for my cause. I was deeply entrenched in this victim mentality and I felt powerless. I felt hopeless. I felt like there's no way I'm getting out of debt. So I had to unravel my victim consciousness. That was the first step I needed to take was to say, all right, I'm going to end feeling like a victim and take back my power around money. And that was the first powerful decision I make because that actually started a, a big shift in my life around money. So that was step number one. And then I have a whole bunch of other steps um, that I describe in my book regarding how to deal with, you know, spending more than you make, um, how to make more money, because uh, that's, again, a balanced situation where we can we can balance our money by making more and spending less, and uh, how to follow your divine guidance around money. And um, so there's, there's a lot of things I cover in my book around, you know, once you're willing to take back your power, what are the, the next steps? Don't feel like a victim because we actually have a hand in sometimes a lot of the experiences that we find ourselves in. It's not something I want to admit at all, but uh, it happens. You do, you're doing the work. Yana Van Zandt, she comes on Oprah Winfrey Network, and she had she she worked so hard to get her books to bestseller. Was on TV, and then she said she lost it all, and then she's worked mm-hmm. her worked in her way back out of it. But this is something she will often say, and I mean this woman works hard. She often says, you got to do your work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to do your work. <laughs> or, or, or if you're going to stay stuck, you, you change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. You're going to keep in the same, and everything's always changing. You can get on that wave of change and take a good step forward today. So, Jennifer, why do we substitute in your studies, in your healing studies, what have you found? If you work with clients, what have you heard them say? What if what are some things that have come to you as to why we substitute quote unquote things, shoes, clothes, sex, food for love? Why do we substitute things for love? I think that many people feel depressed and disheartened. And, and sad and, and disconnected. So all these things like chocolate, booze, clothes, shopping, these these things provide, I feel like, a temporary, temporary high. So if I buy a new pair of shoes or if I buy a piece of chocolate or um, whatever it is, for a brief period of time, I have kind of a high going. It, and it's brief, but it's, it kind of helps with, the fundamental pain sometimes that people feel. I think a lot of people feel that their life sucks, that they're a victim, that there's nothing they can do. So the only recourse they have is to get high here and there to kind of make life bearable on some level. And uh, I think that's where addiction starts. It's just, I need to make it through the day and I'm miserable. So that's why we substitute, I believe, because it's a temporary fix and it's quick and it's easy. Temporary fix and it's quick, so we don't want to do the work. And it and and you can do a lot of work and not see results, not feel results, and then you start. Well, it's not worth it. It's just, I'm putting in too much and I'm mm-hmm. not getting anything out. But she's got to keep anything out of it. 
Yeah. You gotta you gotta keep going forward. Oh my God, I'm like telling part of my story. You gotta you still gotta keep going forward because everything is always changing. I want to talk next about so, and I want to uh, in coming out of debt for those who are like in the bondage of financial debt. You did you create a budget? Did you uh, did you just say I'm sticking to my budget? I'm not going to go out and buy any more shoes clothes, I'm only going to get, have so many pairs, uh, I'm only going to spend so much on entertainment a month, and your, your practical step-by-step digging out that we can share with our listeners, what tips could you share? Uh, so first of all, I did not do a budget. Um, I had a hard time, I don't know about other people, but budgets are really hard to stick to. And I tried to do a budget, and I couldn't stick to it. I tried to cut up my credit cards, and then the next day I was fishing through the trash, you know, putting my credit cards back together with duct tape. It just didn't work. I failed. It was like trying to follow a diet. It just diets generally, they feel like constriction, and it's really hard to, to follow a diet. And for me, it was really hard to follow a budget. So I tried, but budgets didn't work. So... I had to go deeper. I had to understand why am I constantly spending more money than I make? Because that was the root of the problem. And that took actually some self-evaluation, really. So instead of a budget, I started looking at what's going on within me that's creating this lifestyle where I'm just constantly spending more money than I make. Because that's the ultimate problem, right, is that people who are in debt and people who are struggling – it's always that we spend more money than we make. And I learned that in my life, no matter how much I made, I'd always spend a little more than I made, no matter how much I made. And I really had to look at that saying, like, what is going on with me energetically, spiritually, emotionally, where, where this is the case? And I noticed that people of all income levels who I've talked to People who are struggling, no matter what they're making, they're just spending a little more than they make every month. There's just a little bit of bleeding. So I had to look at this and say, all right, I'm taking responsibility for the fact that I spend more money than I make. It was a harsh reality to to look at that and say, I got to take responsibility for this. I got to stop feeling like a victim because it's not the IRS's fault. It's not my credit card's fault. It's, It's I generated my debt. And then I had to look at every time I spent money, I had to ask myself a very difficult question. And that question was, am I trying to buy love or am I buying something that I love? And I recognized that every time I spent money, for the most part, I was trying to buy love. I was trying to fill a hole I was trying to be more attractive to men. I was trying to impress my neighbor. I was trying to just fill this this gap that I felt, this this feeling of incompleteness, disconnection, depression, whatever it is. I was trying to soothe my emotions through buying stuff. And when I started to ask myself this question, I naturally started to spend less money because I really came to terms with the fact that the I really wasn't buying stuff that I loved. You know, and I I know we all do this. We we go and buy stuff that we never wear or we buy stuff we never use or we buy another sweater even though we already have 50 sweaters. And that takes a lot to face that, saying, well, I'm, I'm emotionally spending right now. I don't really need another sweater. I don't even love this sweater that I'm buying. I'm just starting to fill this, this need to fill a gap. So that was the one thing I had to really unravel. Yeah. To again, doing doing the work. To you got to ask yourself these hard questions. It's tough to look within and then do that work. It it, and sometimes part of you might be resisting it. So you just got to just keep going and going and going and going and going. And it's 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 day by day work. If it and once you get past that one thing, boop, here comes something else. I know. It's like a a never, never anything. What is Quantum Touch Inc., Jennifer? And how did you become the company CEO? 
So um, quantum touch really interesting since we're on the topic of energy fields. Um, quantum touch is an energy medicine company where we teach people how to facilitate their own healing using, you guessed it, energy. And um, I actually ended up becoming the CEO of this company 17 years ago. And uh, 17 years ago, I got a download from the universe, the still small voice or whatever people call it, that energy medicine was my life work. And I knew it was, I, I just felt super excited that that was my life work. It always felt like the right thing for me to do. And shortly after I received that download, I met um, the, the founder of Quantum Touch and uh, eventually, due through a, a long story, which I described in my book, I ended up being the CEO of, of the company. But it was a, a really magical series of synchronicities of, of how that happened. But I love it because if we, if we can really start to look at the world in terms of energy, that everything is frequency, that we're frequencies of energy, and that our, what's in our life and our problems are just basically a reflection of the energy we're projecting into the world it's a game changer it is a game changer because once you realize that you have this incredible ability to as you said change your life and that's what I want to help people realize is that you do have the capacity right now to to change your life for the better and and you can do it. You can shift your energy. And, and that's what I love about energy medicine is it gives people an empowered feeling about their life. You know, that is, it's it's something, and I heard that with a, uh, I don't know if it was A Course in Miracles, how it came about, or a book I read. Uh, I think it was A Course in Miracles. It's almost like when you're ready, other people will just suddenly appear. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. almost. It's amazing. Things, opportunities will just show up when you're ready. Uh, I can think even myself when I enlisted in the Navy. I I worked at Target in Knoxville, and I passed this Navy recruiting station and never even saw it. And then I guess when I was ready to enlist, suddenly I'm like, oh, I saw it for the first time. And if you ever see things happen where it's you don't even notice stuff until you're ready, and then it's like, oh, what's that building over there? Because <laughs> you're ready. Or people just suddenly show up in your life. Um, so quantum physics, quantum touch, can you tell a little bit more specifically, do you do one-on-one coaching? What are some of the services that our off-the-shelf listeners could take advantage of? And I think it's just f- f- fabulous how you ran into the owner of quantum touch when you did when you were ready, but if you could just share some of the services that our listeners could take advantage of, even if they had to do it online. Sure, yeah. So we have a lot of different offerings. We have um, an online workshop. Um, We have live workshops, which I really recommend. We have them all over the world. We have about 250 instructors teaching around the world. Uh, We have practitioners, so if you're just looking for a, a session, you can uh, contact some of our practitioners and just get a session. We have um, some products on our store, but all of them revolve around energy medicine and working with energy. So we have a, a huge variety of of uh, services and products. So what's, what does a typical workshop look like? What happens, like online? So let's say online, what would your – do you do one-on-one? What's – how many people are in a workshop? What's going on? What does that workshop look like? So the the online workshop is just a recording of a video that we shot of our level one workshop. And so people can do that at their own pace. And then what I really recommend is in any of this, the most important part is working on another person and experiencing what it's like to work with energy. So if you do our online workshop, having somebody you can work on is super important to to fully understand the work Um, at a live workshop it's a two-day workshop and um, at that workshop you get plenty of opportunity to work on other people and it's really cool because I I feel like a lot of people see energy for the first time they feel energy for the first time they realize that they can help facilitate healing for other people 
a lot of times we see people get out of pain at workshops. We see people actually have some sort of healing, right? So it's really amazing. Imagine as a student walking into a workshop and then you work on somebody and they're out of pain. That's, that's quite an amazing experience. So I recommend these live workshops and uh, really easy two-day workshop. And it, you don't have to have any special skills or prior experience. It's, it's geared towards people who are really new to energy. And um, it's, it's really amazing just to, to see how your energy can, can influence another person's healing process. Do you have any success stories? And when you know most of us think of, and I'm, I know Anthony Robbins. He doesn't. I don't do necessarily energy, but he did a lot of work in the mind because he, he his childhood he was so poor and he wanted to come out of that. But he does lean on energy a lot. He tried. You know, I've never gone to any of his things, but his just get your energy up, up, up. He's really big on using that to help bring about change. So he, you know, he has his success stories. Do you have any success stories with the quantum touch workshops or any other work you guys could do that you could share one or two without giving a person's name, share one or two success stories that came out of the workshop? Yeah, we have a lot of healing stories on our website. There's a whole section of healing stories. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, I'll share some of some stuff that I've done. Um, I, I work on friends right now. I don't actually have a practice because I'm so busy running the company. Um, but one time a friend called me and said, you know, I broke my, um, arm. I forget the name of the bone, but it was a bone in their arm. And they said, uh, it didn't heal correctly. And the doctor needs to, to re-break it so it'll heal properly. And they said, can you please do some energy on it? And she was living away So I had to do a distant healing on it. So I spent a half an hour doing energy healing on her arm. And uh, she contacted me the next day and said, uh, well, good news. You know, it it actually re-healed itself properly and the doctor doesn't need to break it. Wow. Kind of reformed her arm. Yeah. And uh, so stuff like that happens. Like we see a lot of what's considered miraculous uh, stories and I've kind of, you know, believe it's uh, it's just so commonplace to me now that I, I mean, like we call them normicals, you know, miracles that are become really uh, normal in, in our life, and um, it's it's really amazing. But you know, since everything is energy, the reality is really fluid, so things like that can happen a lot with energy healing. That is pretty impressive. Not so much impressive, but the the blessing is, I think, as we all heal, if if and I believe we're all connected, it just helps everything. It, it, you gotta do your work. It just helps everything. It, it it's not like one person's causing all the problems. It's we all are participating in this. It's so important. It's so important not to sacrifice and to choose love, peace, and joy. And if you're not feeling that way, you have to make changes, even if a part of you is resisting it, because that's the, that's the good thing. That's the good thing. We only have a few minutes left, uh, Jennifer. I wanted to ask you, can you share with our listeners uh, who might be writers themselves three to four steps that you've taken that you found to be effective for you at getting the word out about Quantum Touch, other, your company, and your books? Um, as far as marketing, um, the two things that I found to be very effective are word of mouth. It just spreads naturally. So I believe if you are providing a, a really great product, people tend to share it and it just spreads. So we've grown a lot with word of mouth. Um, the other techniques that I use that I have been really effective are um, email marketing, using an email program and, and having subscribers to your list and sending out uh, newsletters and updates. I've found that to be super effective. Another is Google business listing. So if you add your uh, business to a Google business listing, I think that that can be really effective. And uh, the fourth one is, is just doing uh, your work to maintain a really positive attitude because that shifts how, how your business does and keeping the energy really high in your company, treating your employees well, 
treating your customers well, just keeping the vibe really high and, and that will change, you know, who you're attracting and uh, how the how the work spreads. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Are you working on any new books, Jennifer? And if so, can you give us a glimpse into what you're working on and when we can expect to see it on the market? Um, I'm actually currently not working on a new book right now because um, I have another project I'm working on that's that's really been kind of a fun project uh, for myself. I'm I'm working on building a house right now. Um, so oh. once I do that, I'll see what my next my next thing is. Um, but uh, that's been kind of my project for the last several months, and uh, and I'm working on um, a project to help a family in, in Costa Rica get their house. So it's kind of interesting how we're we're living parallel lives right now. So those are my two uh, my two pet projects right now. Okay. Now we learned so much about ourselves. We really didn't touch on your other book, which is uh, Love Incorporated. But and I, can you really, really quickly give us a, mm-hmm. uh, a brief overview of Love Incorporated? We have about four minutes left in today's show. Oh, sure. So Love Incorporated is really about connecting with your guidance system, connecting with your divine guidance, finding your life purpose. Um, my philosophy on how the universe works, how everything is energy, and I explain a little bit of the, the physics behind that. And it's really, people have read it, said it's helped them really connect to their divine guidance and, and find their life purpose. So it's uh, it was my first uh, book that I wrote, and it's, uh, I, I, it's a really uh, fun little book. Oh, okay. So it's it's a book... Are there like work? Uh, you know, a lot of books, and sometimes the writer will say you have to do the exercises in the book. Is this a book that, when you put it down, you will have somehow shifted a little bit because if you do all the exercises, you should shift. Is it a book you just read, or is it a book that requires some activity from you through exercises that you complete? This book is just something that you read, and some readers have said that by reading the book, it's it's really helped them connect to their guidance system. So it's more of like, um, I feel like a lot of times when we read a book, we absorb the energy of the book and, and that energy helps us in, in some way. And so even like reading, for example, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, it's very inspirational because it's like you're absorbing her a positive energy and, and, uh, and, and saying, wow, how empowering and fun. And, uh, I feel like a lot of books, it just helps us shift our energy just by reading the book, actually. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your book, Jennifer? So um, both books books are available on Amazon. If you go to Amazon and type Spiritual and Broke, um, it comes up on Amazon. And then I have another thing that I'm doing. If if you go to my website at jennifernoeltaylor.com, and sign up for my mailing list, you'll get the first 55 pages of Spiritual and Broke for free. And that way, before you actually buy the book, you can see if, if you resonate with it so that you can make a, an informed decision. So I hope people can take advantage of the free offer. And both books are available on Amazon. Okay. Any upcoming any upcoming speaking engagements? If so, can you let us know? And then if you're on social media, can you let us know some of the social media networks you're on? Um, sure. So I have a, we have an event coming up in October called the Transformational Gathering, and I'll be speaking there as well as um, other people from our community. And you can find out more information about that on our website at quantumtouch.com. And then I'm I'm really active on my Facebook author page, so JenniferNoelleTaylor.com. I do a lot of stuff with, with Facebook, and I have some other social media stuff. If you go to my website, JenniferNoelleTaylor.com, um, I have my links to my social media on that website as well. Oh, thank you so much, Jennifer. Facebook, she's she's on there, and you go to her website, and you can keep up with her or her other uh, social media networks. And again, that's Jennifer Noel Taylor, J E N N I F E R N O E L T 
T-A-Y-L-O-R.com, JenniferNoelTaylor.com. Thank you so much for being here with us on Off the Shelf. Jennifer, to each of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Off the Shelf this morning. Please, 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 just mark it on your calendar. Saturday mornings, you're going to catch Off the Shelf Radio at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, a good way to start your day. And remember the thought that we started the day with change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now without the delay from Simone Day before. Thank you for Jennifer Taylor to our listeners. As I always tell you, you are incredible. You're awesome. You are amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Jennifer, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Great. Thank you.